What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we celebrate Mother's Day, but we know Mother's Day is not just about your mom or my mom. Mother's Day is a chance to celebrate everyone who gives birth and everything that brings life. As we come to the end of the Easter season, where the church intentionally spends time lingering on what it means for Jesus to die and rise from the dead, you might be able to see the connection between these two things right away. Mothers are a gift to all of us precisely because they remind us of and can be a source of life in a similar way as Jesus. We're going to explore a passage in the Gospel of John just before Jesus' death and resurrection. Joe is going to read it for us. This is the third time that Jesus is hinting at his coming crucifixion. In other Gospels, Jesus sounds much more explicit, but in John, it's happened three times, and what he means is not entirely clear. This is part of a much longer speech from Jesus trying to encourage the disciples. He has been in the upper room with the disciples and humbly washed their feet, taking on the role of a servant. Now he wants to inspire them. He promises them the coming of the Holy Spirit. He reminds them that love keeps them connected to the true vine of the Father. And he gives them a warning about coming persecution so that when it does come, they will not stumble. Finally, he offers for a third time his prediction of his coming crucifixion and how despite it, they can find joy and keep it for eternity. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. Hear now the word of the Lord. A little while, and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying this? A little while, and you'll no longer see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father? They said, what does he mean by this, a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so so he said to them, are you discussing among yourselves what I meant when I said, a little while and you'll no longer see me, and again, a little while and you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. On that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. And from Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor your father father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Move our hearts 
not only for our mothers and fathers and all who bring life to us, but to you most of all as the author and source of life. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Losing someone you love hurts a lot. For some people, it can be unbearable. When I had just become a teenager, I remember the day my brother left for the Navy. That summer had made me especially close to my older brother. It seemed like for the first time I wasn't just his little brother, a kid that didn't, he didn't relate to. We actually spent some quality time together. We even liked some of the same music. I remember very distinctly the day he took me to the mall in his black Shelby sports car. Uh, he blasted the music as we listened to Ace of Bass and Moxie Fruvis. Uh, the last song that played as we pulled into the driveway was actually called The Gulf War Song. It's all about how young men go off to fight other people's wars and that fighting for money and for power all seem inevitable. It hit so close to home as my brother was preparing for boot camp in the military. Boot camp, though, almost didn't happen for him. I hadn't realized this before, but the military won't take you if a court needs you. Turned out that my brother was something of a rule breaker in those last few months. He apparently was unconcerned about speed limits uh, leading up to his military service. He had some speeding tickets, and his upcoming court date meant the military would not take him until the matter was settled. When my parents found out, I think they were in shock. They told us younger ones just enough to understand that something very bad had happened, but that was about it. I believe it was the night before that my brother was sworn in that he was able to have an emergency meeting with a judge and have his tickets taken care of. In the morning, we watched my oldest brother, after just barely getting his legal matter settled under the wire, make a pledge. He gave his allegiance to the flag of the United States to defend her against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, and to obey orders from the president. My mother cried. We gave him one final hug, said our goodbyes, and headed home as he left for Chicago. Despite the tears, my mother was very stoic. That was her firstborn, her baby boy, all grown up and ready to be on his own. How she was able to handle that transition, I'll never know. I look at my own children at 8 and 10 years old now, and I think, they'll never leave home. They'll never want to be away from mom and dad. There is such a dramatic transition that takes place from childhood to adulthood. And even though it's inevitable, even though we know it's coming, it can be a deep, painful loss. For mom and dad, the dependency their child always had is gone. For the child, their safety net is gone. At a certain point, you got to learn to fly on your own. A few weeks ago, the governor of South Dakota was telling a story about her father from when she was just 9 or 10 years old. They were on a hunting trip, and her dad said at the end of the day, it was time for her to get back to camp on her own. He was going to go around another way, so she was left alone as night fell to make it back. Years later, she learned from her mother that her father had actually trailed her at a distance the whole time, making sure that she made it back safe on her own. But that's not all. He also was making 
bear noises, growling and scratching trees to see how she would handle it on her way back to camp. That's somebody that was ripping the safety net away, trying to get their kid to fly on their own, perhaps a little too early, if you ask me. But we all go through this change from childhood to adulthood. Eventually, we all have to face the day when we are separated from our parents. For many, it is a deep loss. It can be a kind of death we go through. That young person who is safe and secure because a parent is always there for them is suddenly gone. With Jesus, the disciples went through a similar kind of loss. Those followers of Jesus had left everything they knew behind. Most of them would have been older teenagers, maybe even leaving their homes for the first time when they met Jesus. He quickly became the person they depended on for everything, from food and clothing to money and shelter. Everything they had came from Jesus. So John 16, when Jesus is saying they will experience weeping and mourning and pain at his leaving, I'm not so sure the disciples were very happy about this. I imagine they wanted to follow Jesus because it was exciting. It was an adventure. They would travel all across Israel, and they were committing to a good cause, to a life-changing person that was wise and did miracles and made you feel truly, fully alive. I know a few parents that feel that way after having children of their own. Their, their kids made them grow in completely unexpected ways, forced them to experience things they'd never otherwise experience, and to confront parts of themselves they didn't want to deal with. Children can be such an incredible blessing and make you feel so alive. Suddenly, though, Jesus isn't promising the high-flying parts of life. He's saying, you are going to suffer. You are going to hurt so bad and so deeply. And why is that? Because Jesus is going away. He's going to die. This is confusing for the disciples because he says he is going to go to the Father. Sure, okay, that makes sense. But they are going, uh, that he is going for a little while? How do you go to the Father just for a little while? They don't get it. He has to die to get to the Father. But you can't do that for just a little bit. And the answer, of course, is that he is going to die on the cross and be raised from the dead. That's how their pain and sorrow will become joy that no one can take away. Once you experience the risen Lord, what else could compare? Suddenly, death and pain and suffering are secondary considerations compared to this new life, this new birth that happens in the resurrection of Jesus. And the great hope is that it's not just Jesus that is raised from the dead. All of us who put our hope in him will one day be raised too. That changes everything. Jesus makes the analogy that it's like a mother who goes through childbirth. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it can be a terribly traumatic experience. But so often the joy of the birth of that child overwhelms the negatives of the pain suffered during childbirth. I remember when my oldest child, Davy, was born. Emily had done a ton of homework on navigating pregnancy and putting together a birth plan, but afterward there were a list of things that she would have changed. Perhaps the biggest of all was having an induced labor and an epidural. The epidural is when they tap into your spine to essentially numb your senses. 
you don't experience quite as much pain, but there are all kinds of side effects and other problems that come along with it. I have a very distinct memory of Emily saying right after giving birth that she never wanted to do that again. One pregnancy and one kid was plenty. Now, I was a little surprised by this because I had always wanted two children, and early in our relationship, Emily said she wanted to have two children as well, but look, Emily is the one going through the pregnancy and labor, so if she only wants one child now, it's her decision. I'll respect that. After all, it's not me going through the pain. Let her make the call. So that's why about two months after Davy was born, I was startled to hear her say, and I quote, it wouldn't be so bad if we had another child. Wait, what? The pain was so bad you never want to have another child, but two months later, you've already forgotten about it? Emily told me the other day, that conversation, I remember, never happened. She never changed her mind about the pain and not wanting a second child, but we definitely have two children now, so you tell me who's right on that one. But I think it illustrates rather well this dance that we do with pain and joy. We experience pain and we hate it. We want to avoid it at all costs, yet somehow, mysteriously, the pain itself becomes a source of joy. Here's the quote again from the scriptures, John 16, 20. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain but your pain will turn into joy. It's not that sorrow and pain is replaced with joy. It's that the pain will turn into joy. Now, I know I'm heading toward dangerous waters teaching this. Mother's Day is not all sunshine and roses for people. Every year, every single year, somebody tells me leading up to Mother's Day, oh, I'll see you in two weeks, I never come to church on Mother's Day. It's simply too painful for them. For some, they have lost their mother because of death, and the hole in their heart is too agonizingly big. They cannot handle a full hour of talking about mom. It hurts too much. For others, your relationship with your mom is very conflicted. Sure, we can take a day to plaster a smile on our face and be nice to mom, but everything wasn't always good there. There was pain. There still is pain because those hurts don't just disappear. In fact, sometimes mom might still be doing the same painful things all over again, not reforming her actions, not changing even though you tell her how much it hurts. And yet here is Jesus saying, but your pain will turn into joy. This can be very uncomfortable for us. Can't we just avoid the pain? Can't we at least ignore it so we can focus on nicer things? But we are challenged here with this idea that joy comes through the pain, like childbirth. If we are being honest, we all know pain is inevitable in life, and pain from parents and children is inevitable too. That's just life. But what we do with it makes a huge difference. Sometimes we ruminate, stuck in repetitive negative thoughts. We blame someone for our pain. We maybe even blame mom for it. Sometimes we judge ourselves or others, or we get stuck in our pain. What I hear Jesus saying is, work through it. 
get to the other side of that pain. Don't back away or keep repeating it. Grow from it. And there are a couple of things we can do to let pain grow us. One is to get back to our rational minds. Sometimes pain is like a a gas pedal on a car that gets stuck to the ground. You are just going and going and going from pain. We have to stop. And one way to get our bodies to stop is breathing exercises. And another is to use what's called the diver's technique. This is something that shuts down an overactive nervous system. It happens when cold water hits our face between our eyes and our cheekbones. So you can dive in cold water. You can put your face in a bag of ice or quite literally take a cold shower. Come back to yourself so you can think through your pain. And the second thing that lets pain grow us is a reset to our worldview. When we are little, we might think, think things like, mom and dad won't let anything bad happen to me. As we get older, we realize that's not quite how it works, but then we might start thinking, well, God won't let anything bad happen to me because I am good. God will protect me. Jesus will heal me. When the things we want don't happen, Instead of being stuck in our pain and disappointment, we need to change our perspective. Yes, God is good. Yes, God sustains this world. But we are given freedom. We can make choices that harm. What's in front of us right now is that these changes, good or bad, are an opportunity. Despite the challenges we face, we can do good. We can make this world a safer healthier place. We can do more for moms and dads so they don't have to go through what their parents did. We can make this world a better place. Jesus says, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He's not saying you'll get anything you wish for. He's saying when your life is committed and dedicated to Jesus Christ, when you work hard at imitating and becoming like him— Your requests from God are not your will imposed on God or imposed on the world like some magician. No, they are God's will voiced by his children. And God will in due time manifest his will in this world. He will give these things to you. You just have to be patient. You have to work through that pain to find the bigger fuller joy God has for you. Robert Kopp is a pastor who wrote a very provocative article titled, Why We Shouldn't Celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day. He makes the case that a biblical perspective means every day is Mother's Day, and every day is Father's Day as we honor our mother and father. But there can be so much pain wrapped up in these relationships What do you do for parents that feel guilty about how they have treated their children? He says, Remember, a horse that is led to water doesn't always drink. All our Lord requires is that we pray and work and try and do our best. And if we fail to pray and work and to try to do our best in the past, we can start right now. We are forgiven for the past if we try right now. That's the gospel. 
That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And for those children who feel they have not treated their parents right, the same is true. Forget the past and start now. Pastor Kopp offers up this beautiful quote. The day the child realizes that all adults are imperfect, he becomes an adolescent. The day he forgives them, he becomes an adult. The day he forgives himself, he becomes wise. Today, we are not just grateful that we were born from our mothers. We are grateful that we can be born again. We can be born again in all of our relationships with Jesus, with our parents, with our children, with all of those around us. As the Apostle Paul wrote, we are forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This week, someone from Grace brought it to my attention just how many people from this church in the last few years have died young. Gay is here with us, and her grandson, Kobe, she lost her daughter, Jennifer, in 2019 when she was just 43 years old. In 2020, a few days after I got here, Rebecca Vanston died at 35 years old. Kenny Mix died at 36, Luke Kearney at 24, Bill Herrick at 36, and then just this past week, many of you heard about Christian Fiorina, who was just 29 years old. Each death, a tragic loss. Mothers and fathers who grieve so deeply at a dreadful, senseless loss of young life. But they are not the first to go through this pain from our church wondering where the joy of the Lord is. In just a few weeks, we will hand out scholarships to young people from Grace and in the community, and many of these come from people who have lost a loved one, even a child, and they have asked the question, what good can come of this terrible situation? And they have seen fit to give money in such a way that a scholarship can be given each year to help a young person in their journey. They have said, I may not be able to make a difference in my child's life anymore, but I can still make this world a better place. I can help somebody else find hope and a way forward. It is one small act in the face of grief and pain that says, Jesus still loves me and my child and all of us. We can still make a positive impact even in our brokenness. It starts today, folks. What will you do this day forward to honor your mother and father, to mend those relationships with your children, to bless all those around you? Forgive them that you might grow, and forgive yourself that you may be born again as a child of God. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.